Hey friends, it's Kara Kay, and this is the Asking for a Friend podcast, a weekly show for the woman who has questions about herself, the church, and the world. We are all asking hard questions that affect us as women in the culture that surrounds us, and we are looking for a safe space to ask them. But don't worry, I know you're only asking for a friend. All right, friends, welcome to another episode of Asking for a Friend. Today, we are discussing the topic of marriage and answering the question, how can I make my marriage last? Now, today I have asked a new friend of mine, Melody Lovern, to join me to chat about this topic. I was on Melody's show recently. She also has a podcast, and I was really impacted by her story, and I knew I just had to have her come on and talk about her story and share some advice and things with us. So welcome, Melody. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. Tell us a little bit about your story. Let's just jump right in and get into the nitty gritty of everything. Yeah. Woo, nitty gritty. All right. We'll just dive <laughs> right in. So so yeah, I grew up in Jacksonville, met my husband in college, middle of okay. my junior year. He was a freshman and um, we met early his freshman year, my junior year, and then started dating um, after we came back from fall from winter break. Uh, I was a music major and Trey was a religion major and kind of always felt like I'd marry somebody in ministry, but thought uh-huh. it would be more youth ministry because I love to have fun all the time. Uh-huh. Um, I'm an Enneagram seven, so okay. uh, don't take that again, you know, don't hold that against me, but um, no, I'm married to a seven, so I okay, get that. Okay. Okay. Um, I apologize and you probably, but you probably have a lot of fun. So that's right. So yeah. So anyway, I thought that I was going to probably marry somebody in youth ministry. Trey had, uh, preached in about 200 churches before he even came to Sanford. And so we kind of were this ministry couple right out of the gate and um, loved everything that he stood for. And um, although I thought I was going to marry somebody in ministry, I thought, okay, he's probably not going to be super fun or an adventurer or boring and, and all that. Well, he wasn't. He was he was kind of a little bit shy and reserved, but um, we we just had a lot in common. And um, he had come to Sanford to play basketball, so he was this like six four hunka hunka, <laughs> you know. And so I I kind of thought, man, I have hit this one out of the park. Right, right. <laughs> God, God has delivered me this amazing man. <laughs> and so so we are um, in ministry. I was in youth and children's and. Uh, leading worship. We did revivals together. And then we were actually pastoring a church uh, when we were engaged, shortly after we were engaged, um, and and then after we were married. And so, again, I'm kind of thinking, you know, God picked me for his team. I've met this amazing man, and we are off to save the world. And life was going to be perfect as we know it, really. And um, what I did not realize is that my husband was uh, struggled with pornography, mm-hmm. um, and he did not share that information with me before we got married. And and you know he says this that he was too much of a coward to share that with me because yeah. he one he didn't know if he could keep me after that, but then two he thought that marriage was going to fix it. Right. And um, you know I think I think many of us. You know, now that now that we know that porn doesn't, but I think a lot of people think, oh, we're about to get married, we can have sex, and so it's going to totally 
tame the problem. And what we right. know about what we know about marriage is that marriage really only puts our problems on steroids. And so, yes, <laughs> it doesn't so, fix everything. Yeah, it does not fix everything. So we are again, we are kind of all things to all people. We were in a small church, um, lead, helping lead worship and play the piano. And when I'm not doing that, I'm working with children. We were about two hours away from home trying to uh, pastor this church, and um, it was it was wearing us out. It really was. Mm. But, you know, you always, uh, as a seven, I'm always reframing when it gets difficult, like, but God is good, and he's writing our story, and let's go, you know, let's push through this. And so yeah. two years into marriage, we start having kids. Five and a half years later, we I've had five pregnancies, four kids at that time, and Little did I know that my husband's pornography had had graduated, and um, mm-hmm. I kind of found out everything in one fell swoop. And um, yeah. uh, what I thought eight years into marriage was just a, a pornography problem uh, was actually had had moved into chat rooms and inevitably one night stands. And so. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe he had had an emotional affair with somebody, um, and and he confessed that. And a week later, I'm sitting in a counseling office with um, with a counselor who was a friend of ours, and he told me everything. Uh, and uh, my kids at that time were six, four, two, and six months old. And what do you do? I mean, I'm yeah. breastfeeding my fourth child. I'm homeschooling our first child, and here I'm thinking we've got this great marriage. I mean, we were best friends, and. Yeah. And there were things that, you know, I could, could not fully put my finger on until after I knew everything, like large increments of time that mm-hmm. I couldn't put my finger on, you know, him saying he was going to call me or be home at a certain time. And he wasn't, well, again, I just always reframe that. Oh, no problem. If you're going to work late, honey, I'll bring you dinner to work or, you know, whatever that looked like. And so now I could see that that was some of where he was hiding and lying and, and, and so forth. So, um, you know, to fast forward, we, uh, we separated and then, you know, we'll go into the, the long version, but separated for about six months and got back together. We both had, had started getting help. We both went to intensives and thought that we had information now and to know better is to do better. Mm-hmm. We had some friends around this. Our church was supporting us. Um, in this and then a a year later he started uh, well actually he started traveling with his job and a year later he had another one night stand and so inevitably it ended in divorce and Mm -hmm. you know for me divorce was not me stop loving this guy divorce was not I hate this man and I want him out of my life forever it was it was coming to a place where I was losing myself in relationship with him um, and and really it, you know, anybody that's been in relationship with somebody with addiction, it, it will kill you. You will not yeah. change this or fix this or cure it. It will kill you. And so it really, for me, it was about loving myself enough and loving this man enough to, to let go of him. And, um, you know, I can't think of a, a scarier time in my life because when we divorced, our kids were two, four, six, and eight at that time, mm-hmm. almost eight. Yeah. But um, it was not easy. And I didn't have, you know, this incredible lifestyle or financial, you know, security. It was really day by day by day, just trusting the Lord. Like I'm hanging on by a thread and, but I, I have to, I have to, I have to do this. And so we were divorced for six years and, um, you know, I talk a lot about, uh, you know, obviously you know that Trey and I reconciled, but really Mm -hmm. the story for me 
was God bringing me to the end of myself. And, um, and so the story of reconciliation for Trey and I is about, uh, you know, prodigal coming to the deeper heart of the father and, and, a, and an elder brother you know, mm-hmm. coming to the deeper heart of the father. And, um, that's really what made reconciliation possible because honestly, Kara, I really prayed many nights that God would just take him out. You know, that if he yeah. could get hit by a truck, if he could get some, you know, life threatening disease and, yeah. and be out of the picture, then my life would be great because, you know, because then you could just grieve and yes, move on. Yes. You know, divorce does not mean you don't have kids every other weekend and all that. So, right. you know, I love this man, but I've let him go. But right. every other time I'm having to engage with this man, it just, you know, all that pain would, would come up again. And so, so anyway, so that's kind of what it looked like. And again, it was, it was not an easy path. It was not, you know, a cakewalk, but it was, you know, both of us really had some some great community around us. We, he landed at a different church that was practicing church discipline. And um, Trey says today, he's like, I don't know if I'd be alive if it weren't for that church, you know, because oh, he says, great. you know, addiction, there's three doors. There's, there's death, there's jail, and there is recovery. And um, yeah. there's really not another option. And he, um, for, you know, fortunately for him, he landed at a church that was practicing church discipline and really loved him through this. And the healthier we got, which is kind of funny, the healthier that both of us got having to co-parent, the more arguments we would have because we were learning to, you know, take off those masks and not perform for everybody and step into our strength that the Lord gave us, not our own strength. And so it was really a number of arguments that made us Mm. see, wow, we're not the same people anymore. Yeah, (laughs) And and at first for me, when he would stand up to me, I was like, who does he think he is? Because I kind of had this scorecard, you know, that, you know, this is what you've done. And again, I wouldn't have said this, I I wouldn't have known that I was doing this, but I kind of had this scorecard and, you know, just this reminder of what he did and how he Right. You know, ruin my life and you yeah. know, not ruin my life, but you know, and, uh, and it was really a fight that we had that we landed at my counseling, my counselor's office or my counselor. And he said, after Trey left, he was very kind. He said, you know, you need to put that away. That's sin, you mm, know? And, yeah. um, and that was a kind of an aha for me. So anyway, yeah. we, uh, we, we, we reconciled and we're married six years later and we have been remarried for almost 11 years. Um, and pretty primarily walk with other people in crisis. And, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, it was not the the story that I would have picked for myself. It was not the ministry that I would have picked for myself. Yeah. (laughs) But there, I'll I'll say this, there's nothing more beautiful than to, for a woman to call me on the phone or to meet me in a coffee shop or to come to my office and she is bleeding out, not having a moment's hope of what is going to happen next and to get to walk with her and come alongside her because pain makes us forget who we are and to remind her of who she is in spite of what's happening and that this is a dark, dark chapter in the overall story that God is writing and that there are good chapters to come and to get to see her walk through that and allow her to walk through that, not to try to fix her or to try to quickly make her forgive or to try to you know, uh, quickly give her this scripture verse to try to tie it all up in a bow, but just to walk with her and watch the Lord do this amazing transformation and real, really resurrection. So there's death, 
you know, and, and crucifixion. And then there's this beautiful resurrection. And it's, it's me getting to watch the Lord work day in and day out in the lives of these women. So that's what I get to do. Wow, that's that's beautiful. You have been really on both sides of marriage, from it yeah. falling apart to it being mm-hmm. healthy. Um, what would you say are some things that have helped you discover this marriage that is built on a stronger foundation that you have more open communication? What are some of the steps that it took for you guys to get to that place? Yeah, I, I would say that we always had communication. You know, okay. uh, we, we were both not short of words, but I think yeah. what's important is the kind of communication that we have. Right. You know, you can have honest communication. And, and I would say I was as authentic and real as you, you know, that, that I thought I was. But uh-huh. one of the things that I didn't realize, Kara, is honesty and authenticity and vulnerability aren't necessarily the same thing. Right. Right. You know, you may tell, you may ask me, Hey, how does this shirt look? You know? And I may say, ah, it looks great. Or, ah, not so good on you. You know, that's honest. Right. But, but vulnerability is the ability to one, know myself and to step into a space with another person and to allow myself to be known. I am scared right now. I'm terrified to step into this with you. I don't have a guarantee that you're not going to hurt me again. You know, that type of communication is a different Mm -hmm. communication. And I don't know that I really knew that um, to the level with which I knew it going into remarriage. You know, we're we're told to to be honest and, and, but really assertive, vulnerable communication is what's so important as well as leaning in with with, uh, curiosity. And so that that was kind of a game changer because before I might listen to what you have to say, but mm-hmm. I'm also thinking about my response while you're talking, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and leaning in with curiosity is actually listening and looking and watching your eyeballs and stepping into what you have to say and then being able to share that back with you. So what I heard you say is you're really scared to step into this place with me. So that you feel seen and known and heard and validated. And so, so, so I would say communication is, it was a huge part of just being vulnerable and stepping in and letting somebody see my weakness and my raw, just the, the utter nakedness of who I am and not having a guarantee that they can hurt me or shame me or reject right. me, you know, because me stepping into authenticity is not worrying about what the results are. It's me being courageous, even if I'm fearful or whatever that looks like. So communication is key, you know, for a marriage, um, you know, realizing my husband's not a mind reader, uh, you know, right. the Lord has given me a voice and part of what attracted my husband to me is my, is my voice, my, my, my honest, my most authentic self. And so I've got to continue to step into that. But I think the other part that really has been huge for us was conflict. You know, mm, we didn't yeah. know how to have good conflict and, and what conflict looked like for us before when we were married was like, um, I would say something and then I would cry. Usually he didn't always see those tears, uh, right. because when I'm frustrated, I cry. So I might say something and then I would never bring it up again because godly women don't argue. Right. That's mm. what I thought. Right, and, right. And so I began to kind of on this path apart from one. And oh, and then we would have sex. 
So we'd have sex and that meant everything was great, makes, right? Everything's good, yeah. <laughs> yep, of course. He feels connected, I feel connected, but we really not so- resolved anything. And over right. time, that really can create a lot of resentments because we're never getting to the root of the issues. And so, be, you know, really beginning to unpack how is conflict handled in my home? How is conflict handled in his home? And usually it's different. And yet we think that he's supposed to handle conflict like my home or I'm supposed to handle conflict like her, his, Mm -hmm. but really it was like, what does it look like to have healthy conflict, to be heard, to hear another, to hang on to myself when somebody's saying something uncomfortable and not trying to explain my way out of the paper sack or whatever that looks like. And some of the um, unhealthy ways that we can find ourselves in conflict sometimes was like critical. I, again, as a recovering elder brother, I can go to criticism and defensiveness. So there's like four, there's like four ways to have conflict that can kill a marriage and it's criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. I'm not saying like nine times out of 10, but usually women tend to be the critical and the defensiveness and men tend to be contemptuous and stonewallers. And uh, again, I'm not saying that all the time, but basically what we had to do is we had to find new ways to have conflict, you know, to hang on to myself and almost remember who I am in Christ so that I can hear the constructive feedback from my husband. And then the same for him. You know, sometimes it's like, is this a good time to talk? Is this, you know, I really want to share some things that are on my heart. And if another person says, you know what, I've had a horrible day and it's really not a good day. That's okay. Now, again, what, what probably Cherry would need to say if he said that was, today's really not a good day, but man, tomorrow morning, I'd love to wake up early and have coffee with you and really hear what's on your heart. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not I'm going to change everything in my life so I can sit down with that person. Sometimes we're not in a good headspace to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. And so it's respecting each other and adjusting our behavior sometimes. Again, not putting it off and never coming back. You know, if Trey, if Trey said, no, right now is not a good time, and then a month goes by, um, um, my panties are probably going to get in a while. You know? <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, what's important is, well, when is a good time for you? Yeah. And so just having healthy conflict, because again, so many times we think that it's ungodly or we're not forgiving or mm. whatever else that we label. So having good communication Um, assertive, honest, vulnerable communication, leaning in with curiosity to our spouse when they're talking and repeating back sometimes. So what I heard you say, Mm -hmm. and then how to fight well um, without the criticism, defensiveness and contemptuous, you know, and stonewalling. And I guess lastly, Kara, um, and this was not something that I really knew going into marriage the first time or the second time with Trey. It's something that we've kind of fumbled and failed forward in and where the enemy loves to ramp up is what does it look like to get on the same page as a couple? Yeah. You know, and we and we talk about this a lot with parenting because it's like you grew up a certain way, I grew up a certain way, your parents did it this way, my parents did this way. But now that we're the lover in household, what does the lover in household say as it relates to our coupleship from, from a wow. parenting standpoint? I love what my parents did here, but I don't want to repeat this, this, and this. I love right. what your parents did here, but I don't want to repeat this, this, and this. And so if you, if we could take time to get on the same page as a couple relationally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, parentally, all these leaves, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, and, and have honest conversations. And again, it doesn't even have to be like 
one conversation. It can be an ongoing conversation that's rich and full of here are your thoughts and here are my thoughts and, and let's tweak this page how we want it to look. And it's also going to be an evolving page. You know, I don't know about you, but like parenting, what works right now in six months is not going to be working anymore. And we're going to have to yeah, continually sure. <laughs> tweak that process. And so, but just to come back when evil is hunting and saying, your husband's got his head in the sand or your husband keeps picking this person and this person over me or whatever, however evil is hunting and sharing an, a narrative with you, I can go back and I can look at that page and say, you know what? This is where we, this is where we believe we are relationally. No, you know, I may not feel pursued right now, but we have a date two or three times a month. And so I know that day is coming or maybe parentally we discipline differently. I can at least say, well, hey, we, we believe this, this, and this. And so I can go back to that page again. And it, it could be a figurative page, but I believe personally when you write something out in stone, not in stone, when you write something out together and you are together, you're fighting evil together and you're communicating, right. there's so much There's so much that, that, the, that the enemy cannot do there. And so, again, just knowing that that's where the enemy is going to hunt sexually if I can just put this out there, if you hate sex or you don't like sex or maybe he's not, you know, it's not working for you, you know, find out why, you know, were you yeah. uh, touched inappropriately as a child? That's going to affect you yeah. in your marital relationship. There's no shame in saying, I don't like sex, but I want to and I can't figure it out. So let me go talk to somebody. I talk to women about that all the time. And usually it doesn't have anything to do with the marriage. It usually has stuff to do before the marriage. Sure. If there is problems in the marriage, sexually, we can talk about that too. You know, maybe you don't know what feels good, you know, and so we need to talk mm -hmm. about that. But, but just getting on the same page as a couple, you know, even financially, who pays the bills? How's all this? It's all these are places where the enemy just loves to, um, to hunt and to kill and to steal and to destroy. And so the more we can talk and the more that this, on the same page as a couple can evolve, man, you're, you're doing some great, you're doing some great work together. And I've just found out when we're, when we're in partnership around things like this, we're, we're so much better together. I love how you talked about kind of the roles that men and women play in marriage. So let's talk a little bit about gender roles and how that affects our marriages, what that looks like. Cause I know through, you know, throughout history, there's been men and women have kind of been expected to have different roles. And I imagine like the mm -hmm. 1950s housewife where she's expected to look a certain way and do all these things. And right. the men is always, you know, the man's always kind of been the breadwinner and, and those expectations on us. How does um, that affect our marriage? How can we use those gender roles to create a healthier marriage? I think I just heard a stat not too long ago that said 50% of all married women with children are now working. Yeah. And so, you know, it, is it going to require a little more work and effort? I would say absolutely yes, because we're not in the traditional um, house where the husband goes off to work and the wife is is at home and she's the domestic engineer taking care of everything so when he comes home you know they can have dinner together and all that basically i think again that initial conversation of all right you're working full-time i'm working full-time these are the responsibilities that we have financially you know physically uh, related with the kids activities um and then let's begin to let's begin to talk about you know who 
basically kind of divvy up the activities. Right. And um, Trey and I both were not in the mindset of, okay, he's the one that talks to the boys about sex or, or I'm the one that does, you know, this, that, and the other. It was like shared responsibilities or shared responsibilities. Yeah. And there have been... Um, I lost my job shortly after we were married. I lost my full-time job. They cut out my territory. And so I did have more time on my hands at that time because I was just teaching part-time before I went into ministry full-time with Trey. And so, yes, I believe that there are going to be times where it may be that you have more share, more responsibilities than your spouse yeah. or your spouse may have more than you. Um, I, te- I tended to... Um, have a little bit more, we called it running point. I would run point a little bit more in the household and Trey would run point more in the day-to-day details of our nonprofit organization and ministry. But again, where we can go wrong is if we're not communicating and there's these expectations and that again is where evil is going to hunt. So, um, so it could be, all right, we're both working full time. We're tapped out. Yard work is not going to happen during the week. Maybe on Saturdays, from nine to 11, you know, we cut grass together and we blow together or, or whatever. Or it could be that Trey says, I want to do the outside work. And it could be that I take care of some um, things that need to have happening in the, in the house. Yeah. But there have been many times where I've cut the grass and blown the yard. I actually love to blow the yard because I have a backpack, oh, yeah. a backpack <laughs> blower and I love to listen to a podcast and kind of check out to the world because um, that thing's so noisy and, and do that. And so I think as long as we can realize, let's lose the females do this and males do this and women have conversations here and men have conversations. Let's just, we are a team and let's see what works. I remember there were times where I would ask Trey, you know, can you have this conversation with our son? And maybe he wasn't as comfortable with that. And there were times where I I pressed and I said, I really need you to have this conversation. But there are also times where I'm like, "Eh, you you don't really want to do that. I'll do that. You know? And so again, some of this partnership looks like adjusting our behaviors. Um, some of it is stepping into hard places that we're not comfortable with. And again, talking about that. And then the other part is let's, let's both handle our roles apart from one another because it's going to make um, our time together so much, so much more fun. So talking about those, I think it's really, really important. Yeah. There were times in elementary school that maybe I was doing a lot more um, you know, homeroom mom and, you know, different things like that, carpool, field trips. But then there were times where Trey was coaching the boys in um, basketball and baseball. But he was running right. on more of those day-to-day activities. And then I remember when our kids got to high school, we both felt like single parents again because there was no way that we could always show up at, at, everything. at activities. Yeah, yeah well, at, I might be out of town with my daughter at a volleyball tournament and Trey's at a tennis tournament, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. else, either in town or out of town. And so, you know, just embracing that it's going to look different, you know, and, and just, again, being able to talk about that, I think is really, really important. But shared responsibilities are so key because what's going to happen if they're not shared, you're going to have one parent over-functioning or one of the spouses over-functioning and the under is going to under-function and that's going to be a real place of, of bitterness right. and resentments that, that can happen over time. So talk, talk, talk about it and just trust that whatever you're doing now may evolve and change, but the, the key is let's communicate about it. Yeah, that's so good. I love what you said about expectations because I think a lot of times we put these expectations either on ourselves or on our spouse and we think, well, 
he's supposed to be doing this certain thing and he's not doing it exactly how I think he should be doing it. And my husband and I joke a lot about the dishwasher because he'll like do the dishes and load the dishes and then I'll come behind him and fix it because I'm a one and he's a seven and he's like, whatever, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, and it's like, we, you know, we struggle with that of, well, I expect, Mm -hmm. you know, I expect my kids to do things a certain way because of my personality type. It's just, that is a battle I'm always fighting. But I think we just all do that. We assume, you know, our husband is going to do things a certain way because that's how we have it built up in our head, but we're not actually Mm -hmm. communicating that to him. And so it does cause a lot of strife for sure. Yeah, no, and and I think, too, the more we can begin to understand how we're wired differently, I think the more we can understand that it can be done different, you know, and like, for instance, one of the things that was really important to me coming back together, especially since we're now under one roof, we're, we're remarried, you know, part of me wanted to just move to an island and put a little bow on it, um, but obviously God didn't want it that way, uh, but I remember there, there being a night because I was so intentional about tucking the kids in every yeah. night, and I wanted to pray with them, and I wanted to um, scratch their backs, and you know, just really, it was originally having Bible study together, but as they got older, we kind of, I, I ended up having like 15 minutes with each mm-hmm. of the kids, which took an hour yeah. um, to do that at night, but I remember there was a time where we had some tension between us, because I wanted him to do that, yeah. because it was important to me, I needed it to be important to right, him, right. And, and I remember him saying, babe, that's not important to me. Like there are a lot of things that are really important to me, but sitting in the bed with the kids and tucking them in and scratching their backs and praying with them is not as important to me. I had that growing up. So, but he said, I bless you in doing that. And, and, and what we've got to do in relationship with each other is we've got to be okay with that. You know, what, what may be really important to me is not to him. And what may be really important to him may not be to me. But what I've come to realize is that, man, my kids are getting so much from me Mm -hmm. and from him. And there are things that Trey gives our kids that I can't as a woman. And there are things that they get from me. I mean, that time at night, which, you know, you're so exhausted and sometimes you do fall asleep. I'm just impressed that you did that. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was, it was time where they felt like it was mom and yeah. me, you know, they're tired. And I don't know about you, but when kids are tired, they share everything, awesome, sacred information yes. with you. <laughs> so you can pray for them. So you can go to battle for them. So you can speak and shepherd their heart in places where they're opening up. And so it really was that sacred time. And it's really funny, even with, uh, we have two of our four that are home. Two are adults and have moved out of the house in, in different states, but two have had to come home from college. And, you know, my daughter's 19, and she said the other night, she's like, Mom, will you come upstairs and tuck mm. me in? And, of course, You're like I running everything <laughs> I was. I was like, yes, can I scratch your back? Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, that time, it, it, it comes and goes awesome. really, really quickly. So, yeah, just – and, again – that does, I'm not putting that on. Oh, for sure. You know, any any of your audience, but yeah. just hold fast to what those sacred things yes. are to yes. you, and don't put them on your spouse because they may not be sacred to your Absolutely. spouse. Absolutely, that is such good encouragement. I always like to look at all of these questions that we're answering through the lens of the church, and I love yeah. that you ta- that you touched on this at the beginning of the show. So. The church and marriage, it's always been a a big, heavy topic, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And you said that Trey felt supported when he found a church that supported him. But how did that look in the season where 
he was hiding things and everything was a struggle. How um, did you guys, did you find support in the church or what would you encourage someone who's struggling to find support in the church for their marriage? Well, Henry Cloud and Townsend came out with some really good books on boundaries and safe people. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, safe people is not taught in the church. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and if I'm just telling on myself, you know, there were things that when Trey and I, you know, started our, our own individual paths of counseling and recovery, that I wasn't safe. You know, I might take that prayer request that you give me and share it with somebody else. Right. Well, I would never do that today. Um, because that's not my prayer request to share with somebody else, but just those little things where we feel like maybe we're doing, um, we're helping somebody, mm-hmm. um, that actually is hurting somebody. And so I would really, and if you, if you Google safe people and unsafe people on online, you know, you'll, you could find real quickly, am I a safe person yeah. or am I not? And then also find out who are your safe people at church. Yeah. There are many women, and I, I was definitely one of them, that went to my pastor, and I had the full support of my pastor. I had the full support of my, you know, this was years and years ago, my Sunday school class to walk with me through that. That's not everybody's story, Kara. There are some women that go to their pastor, and they've been betrayed by their husband, and they go to their pastor all to find out that somehow they're not meeting their husband's needs and that's why their husband's done this or you know your husband has this problem but what is your sin issues and and now there's this other there's an added betrayal there yes and so you know finding the right people and unfortunately sometimes we get hurt more until we find the right people and so you know if if you don't know you know who is safe and who is not safe um, check out that list because it could really help you along your path if you are having to go to your church. Yeah. And I would just say right out of the gate, a safe person is not going to fix you, yes. is, is, is going to let you sit in pain. Um, because the, at the end of the day, I know that God is at work in, in you. If you are in Christ, God is at work in you. And again, we all would love for, for it to be you know, you come to me today and it'd be over tomorrow, but that's not the way it usually works. It's a marathon. And so we need people to come alongside us. But another, uh, another thing a safe person's not going to say is, man, it's been 60 days. Like I'm tapped out. I don't have anything more to give you. You know, they're not going to shame you with, with scripture verses like, Oh, you need to quickly forgive your husband. They're just going to let the process be the process. And, and they're going to love you and they're going to listen to you. That doesn't mean that they're not going to say truth to you. Right. There are times where I'm like, okay, baby, we've been sitting in this a little bit longer than, than, than necessary. Let's, let's keep moving. You're getting kind of stuck in your pain here. Let's, let's move through these emotions. Let's mm-hmm. journal some more about it. Let's cry, you know, and bring the father into this, you know, whatever that looks like. But a safe person usually has had some, some experiences of their own that they can yes. glean so that they're they're able to tap into that and then go to places of empathy with you. It may not be the same story, you know, um, as you, but they have they have I call it seasoned. Yes. You know, usually, at, <laughs> usually at 21, what I would have shared with somebody that was hurting, and and 40 something, it was it, what I would have shared would have been vastly different, because I was much more seasoned at 40 something than I was 21. At 21, I would have given you the four spiritual you know, the, the four spiritual laws and prayed with yes, you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and send you on your merry way. Yep, yep. 
So, you know, so that those would be some things. And, and I think what's what can shock us sometimes, Kara, is that we think that maybe family or maybe even church family might be those people. Use the list mm-hmm. to get to gauge who it is, because what's important is the who, you know, and, and it may be that some of the people that you're closest to, you move into the unsafe category. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. Because the Lord is going to provide you the safe people with which to walk through this. Yes. Oh, I love that you talk about safe people. That's something that I just am so passionate about. Also, I once had a woman come up to me at a, at an event I was speaking mm-hmm. at, and she said, you know, hey, can I talk to you? My, you know, just unloaded everything going on in her marriage and her home. And I asked her, you know, have you talked to someone about this? And she said, well, yeah, I went to the pastor at the church and he told me that I needed to read my Bible, I needed to pray, mm. and I needed to just do my job of being a wife. And, oh, my heart just broke in that mm. moment because of everything going on in her home and that yes. she didn't have anybody safe to go to, to talk with. Mm. People that are finding themselves unsafe in their home, women yeah. that are, yeah. you know, being abused and that don't feel yeah. safe, especially when they go to the church and feel like, well, I'm just supposed to suck this up because that's what, you know, they believe that's what God's plan is for marriage right. and it can become so unhealthy. And so, yes, I agree. Like it's so important for us to find those safe people in our lives. Well, and I guess just to, to speak to that too, just for a quick second, Kara, yeah. is what, what's difficult is when we don't find ourselves in safety, unfortunately, it's still our responsibility to find it. Yes. I'm so sad for the woman who's been betrayed by her spouse, and then she's then betrayed by a spiritual authority right. or a counselor, a person of authority. But she, she is responsible for what happens next. Yes. She's not responsible for what's done, what's, what's done been to done to her. her. Yeah. It's not her fault. She can't cure it. She can't change it. But she does get to decide what her next steps are. So she can find safety. And that that could be in the house um, with him. It could be that he needs a season out of the house so she can breathe and gather herself and come up for air and heal from what's happened to her. Because she can't heal if it's if it's constant chaos and crazy making and crisis. Right. So you you did you can't control what has happened. You are not responsible for the decisions of another person, but you are responsible for your next step. Yeah. So find some safe people to walk with you so that you can heal. Absolutely. Wow, that's such a good word. So I love to always wrap up the show by sharing some resources with our listeners. Do you have a resource that you would recommend that has really helped you rethink the way you look at marriage and look at the world around you? I don't know that I can come up with, with one resource. <laughs> it is hard, huh? Um, you know, a lot of marriage is the togetherness part, yes. you know, and uh, Dr. Dan Allender has a lot of great books. Uh, Gary Thomas um, has a lot of great books. Um, but then a lot of marriage, really, I always, Trey and I say this all the time, a healthy coupleship is only as good as you are as an individual. Yeah. And so that work from marriage, you know, a lot of that work is the individual work that we're willing to do. In, in and on ourselves. And so, you know, some of those books for me has been Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. Mm-hmm. It's been Wounded Heart by Dr. Dan Allender. It's been um, Lies Young Women Believe in the Truth That Sets Them Free, Search for Significance. Um, I'm forgetting his name, Robertson. So a lot of that identity work and just who God has created me to be, 
um, identifying lies uh, that I step into. Right. Uh, because when I'm believing a lie, my husband is the enemy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I'm not believing those lies, it makes that partnership such a beautiful thing. Um, and, and again, that ongoing work, I mean, is we've been remarried 11 years and we're still learning things. We went back to counseling this past summer and we're like, gosh, we want another tool for our toolbox. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and we went to uh, Dr. Allender, Dr. Dan Allender's intimate mis- mystery um, conference a couple weeks ago. And man, it was just, it was so, so good. And so I don't ever want to quit learning. Yeah. I don't want to ever That's quit good. not having another tool because right. I can't take people where I've not been. Yeah. And so I want to learn and grow for myself, for my marriage, for my kids you know, and for my relationships. And so, you know, a lot of those uh, books have helped me and continue to help me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I will put all of those yeah. in the show notes. Sorry. Such <laughs> great resources. I love it. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so encouraging. I am like walking away going, well, I need to have some good conversations with my husband. Here's some things <laughs> I need to work on. I just feel very, very encouraged. And I'm sure everyone listening oh. does as well. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It was, it was an absolute pleasure and an honor to be here. And thank you so much to everyone for joining us today as we answered the question, how can I make my marriage last? And I want to invite you to join me next week as I am going to sit down with my friend Knox McCoy and answer the question, what if I doubt God? It's going to be such a great conversation and I hope to see you guys back here next week. And also just a quick reminder that my platform building bootcamp launches this upcoming Monday. So you just have a few more days to sign up if you want to join us for this round of building your platform, discovering your voice, so many things to help you in your journey to really use your voice and use your story that God has given you. There is a link in the show notes to sign up for that, or you can just go to karakjames.com slash coaching. As always, you can follow me on social media. I am at karakay.james on Instagram and Facebook. And finally, keep asking questions for a friend. Thank you.